0: Wait, I'm supposed to do that after I, uh, I'm so, where's my list of things to do before I start recording? I have that list written down somewhere. Alright, right, there it is. Blow my nose. Okay, I'm going to go do all the things on this list. I'll be right back. Okay, on my list, definitely personal fave has got to be turn the heat off, or the air conditioning off, in parentheses, because... The ambient noise is way too much, but since the furnace broke and it's like, it snowed last night, so it's cold. Uh, Me, the dog and the cat are in the bedroom with the space heater saying, oh, it's so cozy in here. Because if you walk outside that door, oh, it's like walking outside. So on my list of shit to do, definitely has to be fix the furnace. I'm not going uh, very far outside this room today unless I'm leaving the house because otherwise there's no heat. And it's embarrassing to live like this a little bit. Well, it's embarrassing in the way that, like... uh, I don't want to get into the uh, romantic entanglement opportunities that sit just literally outside my door. But engaging one is such a distance-running idea that between here and there is well fix the furnace is just on the list of things that before another civilized human being would be invited into my domain would have to be rectified. And uh and this isn't this isn't me. I mean obviously it is me but I'm I'm here in this state of disorganized Chaos, well, uh, on the surface, it's underneath, it's a uh, system barely held together by masking tape and and cobwebs, um, quite literally. Uh, I say that because I live with a bunch of black widows. Not intentionally, they just live in the cellar. And I do not want to firebomb the house because that will mean that they will uh, relocate. Now I know where they live. We agree to keep our distance, and that's the way it goes. So that's another thing. Like, you certainly don't want to have to explain that to somebody you're making breakfast for, right? Don't go down in the cellar. <clears throat> you might experience the venomous bite of a spider that will make you sick. So, but to get to a point that you know you are basically a... ...safe haven for the spiders of the universe. Well, you got there because... ...there was that one summer where... ...there was the leak that you didn't know about... ...underneath the washing machine that created a pool of water... ...that infested the house in mosquitoes. You want to talk about the single worst... (sighs) I don't wish death on any living creature. In fact... I'd go out of my way to kindly escort those who are unwelcome here out the door. Right now, as the weather is turning, mice are coming in, and I'm encouraging the cat to do her job, but she's old, she's wounded, she's frankly earned a four-year nap or whatever she wants to end her life with. Her job of hunting mice is basically over. So the occasional flash that you see at that speed... That mice move. <sharp inhale> Fuck! There's a mouse. Well, I've seen that now four or five times this fall. And I hadn't really seen that for, what, seven, eight years? Been a while. Because she's been a hell of a mouser. So, that's on the list. Be kind to my cat. You too. Phoebe just looked at me like, What about me? What about me? You too, my old dog. My old dog. Still kicking. Still my best friend. Still thinks I'm some kind of human. I'm not. But I'm trying. Oh, looks like I gotta blow my nose again. Get a little emotional. Be right back. Okay. Back to something of substance. Because I can get on to talk about my dog. Or my cat. Or my... Mm -hmm. My list of shit I'd have to seriously uh, undertake before inviting somebody back for something significant. And so, with all this disconcerning, unconcerning, blah, 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 blah part of life, that can consume me well I just abandoned all of it because I had to I had to know I had to know the shift in me was real for the most part and thinking you're a different person is something I've done my whole life knowing you have changed from one sphere of existence and reality and processing that entire interface of this body and this universe as it progresses from one second to the next, to feel as if you have now flipped into a new version of yourself. how how can that happen the disorientation with with that delusion comes at a heavy price because either a you're crazy or b you're left with the biggest rabbit hole of self discovery you could have imagined In fact, it only could have been imagined because what you're experiencing isn't possible. In which framework you have existed this entire time, this can only be cemented firmly as delusional mental experience. As clarity builds... As context becomes rich, as purpose becomes realized, as destiny becomes conceived, as comfort in your soul manifests. Well, what do you think other than if this is lunacy? Pray that I'm never sane again. As much as anything, coming to grips with faith in myself, I guess that's what drove me silent. I don't wish to waste any time here with the circuitous wandering of, what the fuck do I think about that? Why am I even sharing what I'm talking about right now? I wonder what will come out of my mouth next. Probably something of little to zero effect on my life in general, or of value to anybody else to have to participate, listening to this at double speed, as they should. I don't even know what the last 30 seconds of blah were for. So... Going down nihilism road, thinking it's all about as relevant as what color shell the egg you're about to break open for your omelette is, it's white or brown, who cares? Give me an egg. Or don't. What difference does it make? In the big scheme of things, it's all just a rock floating in space. Then, centuries from now, my memory of life... No one will have it. Because you don't understand that whole investment in this lifetime that you feel is temporary and impermanent is in fact the growth of your soul experiencing whatever karmic challenge you decided to face. (laughs) I mean, God, how, how do you how do you change? How do you, how do you let all that shit become real? How how do you, ugh, how do you come to grips with all that? How how does that sense and how does any of this exist in a way that you know is true? Uh, pause. Oh God, where's the pause button? Oh, I'm gonna cough. Alright, maybe I am sick. Maybe I should take a bong hit and see if that helps. Hang on. Okay. So, emotional energy is the core element of manifestation and of we create our own reality and all that stuff, right? That we touch on as somewhat philosophical or whatever, new age mystical file of the highest order that you want to throw your sense of purpose in. There's something bigger than what I'm going through that you can't help but fall into that wonderment of what's it all mean? Well the experience on Earth is phenomenal because you get so much width in the pull that your soul experiences. Depth is harder to come by because it takes the dedication of intent and purpose to truly realize. But that almost doesn't matter because the width is so infinite. And variety experience. What will I do? How did I do it? What will I do next time? How will I change my reaction? What will my next opportunity to behave in these circumstances provide? Well, it's the width that gives you that reset button, or the opportunity to improve. Do something over and over again, you get better at it. And eventually you master certain things or you become in flow with those things in their optimal state. And what I mean by that is if you think about the fastest way to move a ball from point A to point B... Well, obviously it's a straight line. Except that's wrong. And by investigating the reason that that's wrong, that simplicity unlocks the key to the universe. Which is, Your thoughts have value. But your experiences feed your soul. So, <clears throat> you come here, you're given this destiny of possibility, this purpose of manifested physical reality. And yet there's you in your head at all times, this thinking typewriter of always going at you, right? The real you, the inside you, the impossible to show the universe you. It moves too fast. It's always there. And I always thought that all that Organized chaos inside my head was my problem. I thought too much. I overthought things. I ran away with thought after thought after thought after thought. If I could just be, pardon the hubris, a moron, I would choose to be Chapter 2 Lawnmower Man. The one who could find peace Harmony and tranquility and just cutting grass. That was a death sentence for me. Well, no. (laughs) Hyperbole. That was a... You want me to do what? Activity. You want me to mow a four-acre field? You want me to sit on a tractor and think for 12 hours? Do you know what that means for me? Well, what it meant for me is I had no feeling of self-worth because 12 hours of drilling down whatever discordant thought my brain could produce well it wasn't a death sentence it was just a torture sentence of self loathing and self-flagellation of a Hugely unnecessary proportion. But I didn't know that. I just knew that for whatever reason at that time in that space, at that reality point, I could somehow, over the course of thinking through some sticky thoughts, convince myself I was the problem. I wasn't measuring up because I hadn't done enough. And thus... I was deserving of whatever lesser outcome. And as much as I could mask the undercurrent of those feelings, of that sense, what I didn't understand was I kept defaulting to that position because that's where we are civilizationally. And I can't help but reverberate and redirect that energy up and down my existence until it encompasses me. And it's why I've always thought I don't have a real self. Because at some point I would be so engulfed in the peripheral sensibility that I wouldn't even be able to identify a point from within on which to ground myself as this is who I am. I was every other person's grief and sorrow and disappointment simultaneously. I was a civilizationally reflective entity bottoming out in a spiral of I can do better <clears throat> and I thought well but I made that karmic ar- arrangement right when I landed here in this try and I'm not positive that this isn't hmm I don't know if I was lucky enough to accelerate into this position or unlucky enough to be decelerated into this existence. I can't tell. But whatever platform forced me into the karmic negotiation of even Steven, there's a Seinfeld episode where Elaine throws 20 bucks out the window and Bet's Jerry that $20 will re-enter his life. And it does. And it's funny how much that episode secured something I'd known my whole life. When I got here, there were only two things I really understood. That I was here to witness or participate or acknowledge, document, Experience something. And that I was here to imprint no karmic disruption, good or bad, that would leave other obligations to a circumstance in which, again, I've either been accelerated to advanced level opportunities or decelerated to remedial lessons, needing relearned. I've had a lot of both. I feel like the star student accepting of all the accolades that come with being the best, as well as the one facing the corner wearing a hat that says, D-U-N-C-E, do not look at me. Do not behave like me. Do not think like me. Do not live like me. Do not feel the disappointment it is to be me. And I can move from one of those positions to the other in a matter of seconds. Just like I can realize, well, now I only have eight hours. But the first hour of contemplation, spending my morning reorganizing what's inside my head now that i have a window of opportunity in which to blossom as someone who's always just jumped right in and seen what the fuck happens i've come to ex- i've come to appreciate the pace of deliberate activity of Deciding something, and then acting on it, rather than bobbing and weaving and showing your nimble character of reactionary ability in the moment. It's a lot of work, and not always on the right side of outcomes that work in your favor. So, methodical, paced, directed energy. If I provide it to the universe, how much progress does the universe provide me? I don't feel as though there's a whole lot left for me inwardly to discover. I've drilled way too far on some of that. But I've also had the self-awareness and revelation of bridging those gaps through experience, through other people, through just that which is magical enough to be here. So how do I help others see the vibrational hum that when we all find that resonant note lifts us up into an experience none of us even realize is possible? Hmm. Well, you know, what else are you going to do? I mean, I do have eight hours. Better get to work. But before I get to work, well, work, there's a word that... uh, I think I recorded um, a while back, like six months ago, Something where I tried to come up with all the phrases... I could name that had work as the root versus all the phrases I could come up with that had play as the root. Playful, playmate, playtime, whatever. Versus workforce, workout, homework, workup. And it was two to one, if I remember right. Play versus work. And I stretched the play terms into questionable boundaries to get to to two-to-one, and yet we're always doing work. Work is just a terrible bucket in which to throw all of the activity that it is to consciously manifest on Earth. I'm working right now as I speak into this microphone. I'm working as I open and close my hands in a clasp that is somewhat to keep them warm but mostly a position in which I do not have to work to be comfortable but working myself into this position in which I will maintain comfort while well, I did that work and now I'm working to stretch my back and sit up in a more erect posture because I know I slouch and that my shoulders hurt when I do I also am working to take my phone out of its case. Oh, I can't. I'm working to put my phone on the bedside table because I've listened to the last recordings and it's work to listen to those because I handle my phone too much. Oops, that's not on the list, but it should have been. Don't handle your phone. It should be on the pre recording checklist to remind myself of things that can be so disruptive during a recording they ruin the recording. I have to work to be better at that. And so what about the work I do to check my ego? What about the work I do to remind myself that everything is bigger than me? Obviously, you know, I mean, if it's me versus everything, which one are you gonna choose is bigger? If that's the test to get into heaven, Choose everything. So after contemplating senseless comparisons, I will now share contemplation of value. And that is, I'm in this sort of bike acquisition mode. I currently have gone from one bike to ten in less than two months. And I need to stop opening Craigslist bikes for sale, bike parts for sale. This is for the best. Stay away. For me. But knowing this and embracing it are two different things. But anyway, let's go back to the bike opportunity that has emerged in the last 48 hours. Comes from something I suppose I know. But I've been able to push off into, hmm, would that be avoidance? No, that's not fair, because I guess it's denial. As a bicyclist, one of the things that I think is inherent in that activity is whatever happens on that bicycle is up to you. If I die on the bike... It will have been my fault, because I can't get on the bike without the hyper-awareness and vigilance to maintain that hyper-awareness. That mental state has to exist, because my vulnerability in the circumstance that is me versus two-ton metal objects is 100%. I cannot win that fight. It will cost me everything. So if that battle ensues, I lose. So, the only way as a cyclist I can possibly exist is to know that that battle cannot be fought. So, I have to ride with the intent of never fighting that battle. So, when I'm on, this, on the bicycle, all my attention is focused on my environment. And I see everything in flow. I always have. But sometimes I can drift or entertain secondary thoughts or whatever. But if I'm hypervigilant, then I hear the cat jump off the dumpster on the alley coming up. I hear the sound of the garage door opening blocks away, whatever it may be. I anticipate and see and bob and weave and act in the moment with a level of self-preservation that comforts me in knowing I don't know how my final moments on this earth will will exist, but they won't exist on a bicycle. And this isn't hubris. Look, I wrecked my bike 48 hours ago. I'll get hurt on my bicycle because that karma I have aplenty. And so I'm sure that all of the last three minutes of smug, arrogant behavior and contemplation. Uh, Here's to the flat tire bike wreck, and chain lockup that my future now... Hmm. Uh... My future now created as such to remind me that while my destiny may serve me in another capacity, my current cycling integration is one where... I'm working with everybody else. And I have an agreement with myself now to be better about my obligation, not to my own self-preservation on the roads, of which I am confident is under control, but to my obligation not to infer upon... Infer? Infer? (coughs) Not to incur... Incur? Not to hmm, force my my own risk-taking confidence to disrupt the energetic experience someone else is having. And what do do I say? As a cyclist, it is inherent on it's inherent. God, man, I cannot talk. Here's the nuts and bolts of it. I have to make myself visible to anybody coming toward me. Anybody who might turn and see me in front of them. Anybody who might miss me because they were looking right while I was coming from the left. I do this on day-to-day cycling in daylight by wearing obvious clothing, having uh, a presence at all intersections where I am visible, by making eye contact and direct contact with all vehicles in the premises, I am hyper-vigilant about giving you the opportunity to see me and always expecting you to have missed me anyway and be ready to dive away from you should you somehow cross my path. And I've had this experience multiple times, as have all cyclists, so I've learned this. And lucky that I've learned it in enough of a way to not have suffered a drastic injury. Because being on the road with a bunch of cars on a machine that is not protecting you in any way. Well, you're lucky every time you get from A to B. And what I haven't done is treated my... hmm my skulking around town in the 5 a.m. morning hour rides to work with the same care and concern for the one-slash-two cars I run into a week on the side roads with my reflectors but no lights. And I say this because my most recent bike acquisition included a headlight and a taillight, of which I have like six taillights. They just break. But the headlights get lost. And I've invested in, I don't know, 15 of these things over the course of a decade. And at some point, I had lost touch with the fact that that obligation isn't for my own visibility, but for everybody else's. And when I rode to work yesterday in the dark and realized the difference for a couple of joggers... And one car particularly that was screaming out of the alley to get to work because they were late. I thought to myself, A, first, I remember being that guy. And I thought to myself, B, that guy would be mortified that some cyclist is out in the dark wearing a black jacket and jeans without a helmet on. At 5.15 in the morning. On a shitty day. Because who expects a cyclist in that circumstance? Well, nobody reasonable. In fact, almost nobody unreasonable. The only person you can count on possibly looking for you is another goddamn cyclist. Too smart to cycle to work. Who's in their car. So fall down did I. Because thinking, well, if I buy another one of those headlamps, I'm just going to lose it. Well, thank you, 10th bicycle purchase. I guess it took me 10 to realize the lesson you had forced me into. Once again, sometimes... When you think, why am I doing this? You're doing this because it matters for everybody else. I'm kind, I'm understanding, and I'm forgiving. For some reason, this universe took that away from me. But no more. Nope. No more. As much as I am committed to riding with enough light that you can't miss me coming at you. Well, if you did, I'll understand. I'll certainly be kind. And I've already forgiven you. Because I love you all. Almost as much as I love myself. And I just haven't met you yet. Once I get to know you, I'm sure I'll love you just as much. It's amazing how much that feels comfortable to me to know that that's the space in which I will always be found in this existence on 8675309 earth. That alone makes me have to go figure out what changed or just get on with my day, be myself and take the reward that comes with it. Hmm. Or I could wake my dog up and we could go for a walk.